Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. For those of you um, from within the borders of the United States of America and without, who appreciate my irreverence, you're in for a treat today because I have found as a guest uh, someone to speak about um, the one topic I had in mind that's obviously hot on everyone's agenda today, but also looking over his background, uh, he's clearly a man who uh, is as irreverent as I am and who has uh, <laughs> taken on the world. Um, I, his, his name is Mr. David DeBato. He is a U.S. Army um, counterintelligence special agent, retired. He lived to tell his, the tale. He's an expert on counterterrorism. Um, we're going to be talking today, to start off at least, on the hot topic of illegal immigrants, danger or deliverance. Um, if you've been watching the news, certainly you've been seeing protests on Washington and on many other cities. All uh, people talking about, feeling passionately about uh, the various bills that are being debated in Congress. Do we or do we not allow illegal immigrants to suddenly become citizens and skip their turn in line? And uh, now we're We've been hearing about how uh, some people say that America would be doomed without illegal immigrants because of their contribution to our society. Certainly it is true. Um, this must be said. I mean, you know, all of us have, are immigrants. Everyone who has come to America, except for the American Indians, are immigrants. Um, and obviously this country wouldn't be as fine as it is uh, in some regards were it not for these immigrants for the immigrants that have been coming over since its inception. But that begs the question of what to do today, particularly since terrorism and terrorists lurk on the horizon, and letting opening our borders to, ter- to um, well, yeah, to immigrants perhaps means opening our borders to terrorists. And so we're going to talk today uh, with Mr. DeBato, David DeBato, and uh, get his inside scoop on what really is going on. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, first of all, could you give us a little bit of a background in regard to your experience in counterintelligence? Sure. I, I, as you said, I'm a retired U.S. Army counterintelligence agent. I went over to Iraq at the beginning of the war in March 2003. And prior to that, I had been in the Army for many, many years. I had been an instructor in the Army's intelligence school. I had been trained in uh, the German language uh, translation back in the 80s. And uh, for about so 12 years or so, I was uh, a counterintelligence agent. In 2000 and, uh, well, at 9-11, actually, when it took place, I had been out of the Army for several years. I uh, actually just 
got out and was uh, pursuing my own life. And 9-11 happened, and I was one of those uh, crazy people that volunteered again. I re-enlisted right after 9-11. I was so incensed, and as we can remember back four years or so, nobody knew who had attacked us then. We had no idea. We had no clue, at least most people didn't. So I just re-enlisted to try to help my country in any way that I could. I knew that I had an intelligence background, and we were going to be sorely needing that. So as I said, I enlisted right after 9-11, beginning of 2003. I, with my unit, I was in the Massachusetts National Guard, went over to Iraq, and we stayed there all year. I was my team, my intelligence team, and I was a team leader, were responsible for capturing or trying to capture the 55 playing card folks, all remember them. Yeah. Uh, trying to capture any. And did you? <laughs> Actually, my team did. Yeah, we we captured the Minister of the Interior. I think he was number twenty nine, and uh, that was that was incredible. And hmm. he got hurt, which is the main thing. Hmm. Uh, but we also tracked Saddam for a long, long time. I uh, my team was hours, literally hours behind him, and he eventually, of course, was caught. December of two thousand and three, we captured many high ranking Iraqi uh, generals, secret uh, service people, intelligence f- uh, folks, assassins. Uh, we captured tons of secret uh, military documents, and we were very successful for the missions that we were given. And uh, towards the end of my tour, late 2003, I was injured coming back from a mission and uh, was sent, sent headfirst to the windshield of my Humvee hmm. and got pretty badly knocked around. I spent about five or six months in hospitals recuperating. Now it was about two years ago. I've uh, been out since uh, March of 2004, and I've since, written about Iraq extensively, spoken about it, and basically that's pretty much what I do now. I write and speak about military, the intelligence areas, and the war on terrorism. Huh. Well, that's, uh, obviously that was um, that courage uh, to go back (laughs) after 9-11. Whether or not um, people are for or against the war, obviously that took courage, but, but there's no disputing that. Um, you know, it's interesting, do you, uh, before we go into immigration, do you, um, it, it seems to me that that there were, uh, I mean, maybe it's hard to judge, but that kind of courage seems to be in more, I mean, obviously there are people over there now, and they were not drafted, and so they were very courageous too, but it just seems to be in shorter supply than it was um in the Vietnam War or the wars before. Absolutely. In fact, I've written about that very topic uh, after 9-11, literally 9-12, 9-13, the days and weeks and months following 9-11, it was Pearl Harbor in reverse, whereas if you remember reading about it, after Pearl Harbor, they had lines around the blocks in some cities where people, men, were trying to enlist to, to go to help the country. Well, right after 9-11 on 9-12, it was, uh, you could hear the wind blow. Nobody showed up. The only people, mm. and I've done research mm. into this, the only people that showed up at the recruiter's doorsteps in the weeks and months following 9-11... Were people old, who had been in previous exactly, war. Exactly. Old veterans like myself. Mm. No, young Americans stayed away in droves. And I was very disappointed, and I still am. Yes. That, um, that I, you know, that's something that I just had an intuitive or feeling, sense about. But, yeah. but, but I, it's... It's sort of sad to have it confirmed. It really and today we can say, oh, well, look what happened. The, 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 you know, the administration lied to us and blah, blah, blah. The fact right. of the matter is, on 9-12, right. we did not know that. And yes. young people still stayed away after we had been attacked. Now, you can go into that, but the fact is, we were attacked. We've learned a lot since then. The fact is, after a heinous, 
attack on our largest city, uh, young America stayed away and said, no, I'm not going to lift a finger. Yeah. And, you know, that that could be the very thing that um, obviously is, that that's our, one of our most vulnerable or is our vo- most vulnerable spot, no, isn't there's no it? No question about it. The apathy in this country, and, again, I've written about There's a few topics within that topic, uh, and another part of that is we have never in our nation's history had such a disconnect between the military and the civilian population. There is just a huge mental disconnect, and the reason for that is, well, the all-volunteer military since 1973. Today, if you walk up to anybody on the street, for the most part, nine out of ten or more are going to say that they have themselves never been in the military, and they don't even know anybody that's ever been Mm -hmm. in the military. They can't relate. Yes, yes. Hmm. You know, of course, that that all, I mean, there's such a, um, it's such a a complicated problem, though, because on the one hand, um, you know, there's that pride that families pass down to each other when when it wasn't voluntary, you know, when and when um, grandparents and parents um, pass down that pride of serving for their country to their children. Sure, sure. on the other hand, you know, obviously in a in a perfect world, there wouldn't be any militaries or wars. No, but there's never been a perfect world. <laughs> there never has been, and I don't think there ever will be. So. Well. But that's, that's just the way it is and the way it was, so that's a, uh, a sore point with me, but it's one I've accepted. Yes, yes, it really, that, that really is... Um... Very I think it gets to the root of a lot of our problems in this country, though, to be honest with you. I mean, that yes, apathy. because the, the apathy and, I guess, the, the softness. Yep. Uh, well, and it goes to a lot of different things, which we read about all the time or see on TV, the video games, the uh, computers. Well, what? The, well, the fact that our young people don't have to do anything. Literally, they have a calculator from kindergarten on. They don't have to really know math. Uh, they have a computer, so they don't go out and play with anybody. They become very, very antisocial as a right. generation. Um, the video games are, in fact, violent. I have a son. I believe me. I've been through all the video games. They're extremely violent. They've desensitized now a couple of generations to violence and have mm-hmm. also made them into couch potatoes. And they don't think or they're never asked to do anything, not much less for their uh, school or their state, but for their country. And since there's no draft and there hasn't been in a couple of generations, they just basically expect everything, and they expect it right now because we're in that type of a fast-moving technology generation or country. And I tell you what, it's not a good thing for for this country or or the world, probably. Yes, um, and you probably don't know, but I'm... I have been um, for quite a while a champion against media violence and particularly against video games mm-hmm. because and and it's so ironic because these people who are sitting in their relatively comfy <laughs> homes um, sit, sit there and play war games on their video games and think in a sense that this is what war is all about. Oh, they do. I can't tell you uh, to be honest with you. That's a great point. When I was in Iraq and we were being shot at and fired on and mortared and blown up. The, uh, the, uh, when somebody was wounded, this was an 18, 19 year old soldier, they said, My God, it really hurts when mm. you get shot. Mm. <laughs> I said, mm. What did you think? And it had all come from this ingrained insensitivity to video games. 
where they're blowing each other's heads off and decapitating them and killing them in the most horrible ways, they got completely desensitized to the point they didn't really think when they got shot it was going to hurt. Yes. Of course, you know the irony of that. Um, the government is very much involved in promoting um, which you probably know, the research behind a lot of these video games as a tool to try to get more teenagers to in, to volunteer, yeah, you know, to get correct. so excited about right. blowing people away that they'll volunteer. You're right. You're absolutely correct. Okay, well, when we come back, we'll talk more with my guest, David DeBotto. Um, we will get to uh, immigration at some point <laughs> during this hour, but obviously this is a man who has a lot to say because he knows what's going on behind the scenes. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadylocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors cried the second. I hope it had the bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. Expand love and light in the universe. Tune into Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True with Iris Jackson every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Each week, Iris and her guests empower, encourage, affirm, acknowledge, and remind us of who we really are, providing tools and processes to fulfill our destiny passionately, victoriously, and joyously. Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True is under the guidance and direction of our beloved I Am Presence, the seven mighty Elohim, the ascended masters, and the legions of light, and is given Given with fervent and heartfelt wishes that all of your dreams come true and are a thousand times more wonderful than you ever dreamed possible. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And with me today is David DeBato. He is um, a retired U.S. Army um, 
intelligence special agent, counter counterintelligence special agent, and we we started off going um, <laughs> talking about uh, the state, the sad state of um, of people's patriotism, I guess, in term when it comes to uh, protecting their country. Although, uh, as you heard, um, it is it is a rather thorny topic, and there are lots of it's, it's complicated. Uh, than more complicated than to put into one tagline right now. But why don't we now go to what it is that we um, are primarily going to be talking about today, which is immigration. And that's also a topic that can't be put in one tagline um, other than uh, to say, you know, the question of whether what's going on today are illegal immigrants a danger or our deliverance. So let's get to that. Why don't you, uh, um, David has come up with a list of ten reasons why um, the protests or the illegal immigration is not a good thing. So why don't we start from there? Well, if you could, in fact, because I am uh, at a uh, safe, undisclosed location, <laughs> and I don't have that list in front. Why don't you read them, and I'll comment quickly. I'll okay, them. Sure. Well, the first one is the most, you know, obviously the most important, and that is um, you said that the United States cannot provide a safe and secure country for its own citizens if it cannot secure its own borders. Absolutely, and that's self-explanatory. And, you know, just generically on this whole topic, it is a complicated issue. However, it doesn't have to be. Uh, I'm too stupid, so I basically try to condense things down to be very, very simple so folks like me can understand them. And the immigration problem is very, very simple. Uh, starting with that point number one, we have to secure our borders. You can't begin to try to sift through the complex mess of all the 10, 12, or 20 million uh, illegal people that are here right now unless you stop the border. You're, you're, you're a doctor, so psychologist, but... Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. <laughs> Uh, but uh, even uh, uh, even a psychiatrist knows that you have to triage first. That's you, you can't walk into a to a, a catastrophe without trying to set priorities. And we have to take care of our most uh, ill patients first, and that's the border. We're hemorrhaging at the border, people in, and we've got to stop that. We've got to put a tourniquet on the border before we can even begin to solve the other problems. Yes, I mean it is true that um, we go to all this trouble to find shoe bombers. And uh, have have tweezers taken away from us at the airports, and yet people are crossing our borders um, willy nilly. It's ridiculous. It really is. I mean, it's for for those of us that have so, served in the military and also law enforcement, the intelligence world, and where this is just you know common sense. It's it's mind boggling that we can do exactly what you said and have grandmothers taking off their sandals at the uh, airport and be uh, frisked and have our borders absolutely wide open, and there's just really not a whole lot more you can say about that until we seal the border, and for those guessing, you bet, I'm for putting up a wall. I was for putting the military, the National Guard specifically, on the borders years ago, and now, since 9-11, it's been over four years, four and a half years, we still have an open border system. Ridiculous. Yes, who was it who said good fences make good neighbors? (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's true. I mean, you know, it's sad, but that things that the state of the world has come to this. But I think until we can fix it, you know, until we can um, create more peace, um, that does seem like the sensible thing to do. You know, we don't see um, any terrorists going on, well, that we know of, 
any terrorists or people who who look like the um um what's the word I'm looking for? Hijackers. The, well, who look like hijackers, the stereotypical uh, view of, of terrorists um, at these protests. Although, although actually, I was reading something about um, that. It, there's a question, and, and you should know this. There's a question as to who is actually behind these uh, immigrants causing the. Um... Well, there's a great deal of people, and you're right. There's there's a great deal of organizations, some of which are not extremely or not uh, maybe. Uh, pro-American, shall I say? These people this just didn't simultaneously, or excuse me, come out of the woodwork. There have been large, well-funded organizations that have put together these protests, and I think you'd be uh, just really naive to think that there's millions of people, Mexican Americans or, or, or otherwise, that just decided on the last few Sundays to show up on the street with all these signs and flags. This is a well-orchestrated effort. Yes, and do you do you have some ideas as to? I mean, I had read something that said that it was um, communist related. Well, yeah, well, one of the groups or a couple of the groups that are behind this, there's no question about it. They've admitted it are uh, two uh, a communist organization and a socialist organization. Which, believe it or not, folks, we still have active uh, communist parties and organizations and socialist parties and organizations in the United States, and they certainly do in Mexico. But we have them right here. And uh, two of those are definitely behind, one of the many organizations, uh, behind putting together these free border demonstrations. Yes, it, it, uh, it really, that's the part that, um, you know, and it's, what's, what's unfortunate about that is that the, the people who are there, um, who really are there because they feel for themselves, you know, they want to be, they're illegal and they want to become citizens or they have family members or friends, that they're there for, um, they aren't realizing how, in a way, they're being exploited for the purposes of these backing organizations. Not at all. They're pawns. And, you know, that's another part of the thing. And I'm not just a hardliner for the sake of being pro-American and being a jerk. Although I am a jerk sometimes. That's not the point of why I feel against about closing the borders. They are exploiting, as you just said, the Mexicans that come across the border. I also worked as a law enforcement officer years ago in Arizona. On the uh, in southern Arizona, the Yuma area, where I can't tell you how many Mexicans, families, entire families, I had to, uh, uh, how can I say, put them in the back of, of trucks with the border patrol that had died in the desert trying to get across hmm. Mexico. Families and people that were so desperate for water, they started drinking hair tonic. Uh, and I tell you what, when you see that in uh, little babies that have died in the desert, exposed for days and weeks. You have no idea how horrific that is. If we had a sensible border uh, security issue or a program, a policy, an immigration yes. policy, yes. that would not happen, or at least it wouldn't happen very often. They are the people that are being exploited, and that's a big part of what a successful common-sense immigration policy would solve. And why do you think... Um you know, I don't usually agree with, with uh, President Bush. In fact, in previous shows, I had I, I've called for his um, <laughs> unseating. And, but uh, I believe that um, he has recently said in regard to this that um, that it that it is not fair for the people who are here illegally to get ahead of those who have been waiting in line. Well, that's true. And and which I agree with. And but why is it? <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure why he's saying it. Is there something behind, some hidden agenda behind that? Because 
um, my understanding is that the Republicans are for having as many immigrants. I, I guess, um, I mean, presumably they would have to be legal in order to vote, but... Um, well, uh, let, me, let me answer that if I could. Uh, the reason that he's doing that is because he has no clue. He, this is not a hidden agenda. This is shooting from the hip, and as you know, President Bush does that very, very well. He is a straight-talking individual. He is a, you know, a, what he says is what he means, and that's, that's, you know, that's it. He doesn't know. He's flip-flopped this a couple of times. He's been broadsided by the, the anger and the uh, involvement and the sense of outrage, I think, of America, the rest of America. That's not illegal. And he's really trying to decide which is the best way to go on this, and he's not quite sure. He's trying to appease everybody, and he's not appeasing anybody. What do you, you mean? The, what do you mean the outrage of the rest of America? Well, a lot of America, uh, in, 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 in polls, in letters, in, in calls, in emails to their representatives, have said, "No, we do not want to give amnesty to illegal aliens. We yeah. do not want to have a guest worker program. We do not want to let people that have been here for years and years illegally to suddenly get a chance to become Americans. We don't want to do that. We want to close the border and find out then find out who's here." illegally and sort yeah. through that yeah. not just give them all a pass and in addition to that leave the border open so in five years we have another 10 or 11 million illegal aliens that's insanity and that's what a large part maybe 60 80 percent of america has been saying to him in the last few weeks yes and you know it's, it's so many issues this is what happens where um i mean obviously the ports issue which um is another one where he um, there, there was a hidden agenda, certainly. Sure, but, absolutely. But um, I, I think he did not expect the backlash no, that he got that's on exactly it. Exactly, with the port issue and with this immigration issue now, he's been broadsided, or blindsided, rather. Yes. All right, well, when we come back, we do need to take a break now. When we come back, we'll talk more with David DeBato, the U.S. Army Counterintelligence Special Agent. Um, we're talking about immigration and everything else that that seems to bring with it. There are so many really important issues that are facing our country today, the world today, that um, we all need to be as, as well informed about them as possible so that we can then express our own opinions, which may, not, which may be different than what you're hearing on Dr. Carol's couch. And if so, do call in and express your opinion. But the important thing is, first of all, to be educated about really what's going on. And that's not going to be in the mainstream media. So stay tuned. Uh, I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We'll be right back. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Hello, this is Rory Goray, president of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race star. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com 
Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo, Lake Bell from Surface joins us to tell us about the show, and TD0013, our resident stormtrooper, joins us in studio to help us talk about the sci-fi that's happened this week. That's this week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today with me is David DeBato. He's a counterintelligence um, United States Army Special Agent. He's also a counterterrorism expert. He's a popular author. We'll tell you about that towards the end of the show. And um, and a speaker and a uh, uh, popular guest. And I can see why. Um, let's get back to immigration and your number two um, reason why we should be not uh, allowing people to... Um, why there should be more controls over immigration. And your second reason is that illegal and unregulated immigration from Mexico results in thousands of border-crossing deaths every year. Well, actually, you, you talked about that mm-hmm. and, and uh, subjects them to exploitation. We, we, we just talked about that. Now, the third and fourth relate to work. Um, the massive influx of unskilled and undocumented immigrants during the last 10 to 15 years, mainly from Mexico, is depressing wages for American citizens, not just in the lower-paying service sector jobs, but throughout the economy, including semi-skilled and skilled blue-collar jobs. Together with the outsourcing of manufacturing jobs overseas, the result is the near collapse of the American middle class. And, you know, I must say, when you hear on the radio or um, when you hear speakers from these groups who are currently protesting, um, so much of what they say has to do with we're doing jobs that Americans don't want to do. And when they say that, um, I mean, yes, it's true that, that, you know, a lot of these jobs are not the most fun or, or high-paying jobs. But on the other hand, look at all the people who are in America who are unemployed, who, who are legal and who are unemployed or who are in gangs on street corners, wouldn't it be better if we could make programs that would take care of these people who who are not having work, and even though this might not be the work of their dreams, at least it would be doing something beneficial? It's even easier than that. We don't need any new programs. All we need to do is enforce the current laws that prohibit large employers from employing illegal aliens, period, because the reason they do that is obvious. They're getting them for cheap wages and no benefits whatsoever. If we were to force employers to adhere to the law that we already have, they would be forced 
to raise their wages even just a little bit and to supply benefits so you would have Americans in the lower unskilled labor force take those jobs because right now they can't afford that. They just can't do it. It's not that they won't do it. Americans will do anything if they're paid a decent wage. That's the reason that they say that Americans won't take it. It's hogwash. The reason is because our large companies that exploit them are just that. They're exploiting them. They're getting cheap, almost slave labor, and nobody's enforcing the laws. It's as simple as that. Well, okay, but but there are people who do have falsified documents Mm -hmm. um, that these these I I know that these companies um, don't really look very closely at because of what you're saying. But but you know it's not. I mean it's sort of their way of um, don't don't tell. You know don't ask don't tell. And and you're right you're right that's true. But you know what it's it's a very small percentage because again having worked on the southwest border for many years the companies literally uh, truck them in they bus Mm. them in they they have their own buses that I've seen it's just it's, it's common knowledge. They get buses that they take down to the border in early in the morning around dawn. They load them up with these illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, these farm workers, these low-skilled workers, and they bring them back to the farms in California, in Arizona, in New Mexico, in Texas, and they work all day, 8, 10, 12, 14 hours, and then they get them on the buses and they bring them back to the border and they walk across through the fence. These employers are well aware, and in fact, they're enabling these people to come across the border illegally, phony IDs or not, so they can get cheap labor. It's well known. Well, but you know, you can't really blame, if that kind of thing is happening, or when that happens, um, you can't really blame the people in Mexico to take advantage Absolutely. Of, of, you know, when, when they're having lots of unemployment and they're poor and they want to feed their families. Nobody, no, absolutely, you're absolutely right. You see, again, they are being exploited. They are working for wages that, well, for them it's great, actually. Right. Um, and nobody's blaming the Mexicans. Uh, I'm not blaming. I never have. And I don't think I've heard anybody for strong borders that blame the Mexicans. In fact, the root of this problem comes down to American big business. And, in fact, I'm convinced in my own uh, knuckle-headed, naive way that um, most all of the problems that we, as Americans, suffer come down to American big business. And I'm talking everywhere yes. from illegal immigration to, to the wars that we've gone through for the last yes. hundred years, not, not just the war in Iraq. Um, and that's what it comes down to, big business. They cause wars. They are decimating our economy and our middle class by outsourcing and depressing yes. the wages. But just to keep it on illegal immigration... Uh, they are the magnet for the Mexicans that are coming across our border. Nobody's blaming them. And they are also the primary cause, in my opinion, of the decimation, the destruction of the American middle class by a combination of outsourcing uh, middle and upper class jobs and keeping the wages completely depressed below what most Americans could afford to take at the lower unskilled level. But it comes back to one central uh, the suspect in this, and that's American big business. Yes, I mean, you know, we were talking before about um, the the lack of people willing to sacrifice their lives for, uh, risk their lives for um, America after 9-11, and when you contrast that to people in big business, Halliburton would be number one, yep. um, but who are doing such un-American things like outsourcing when there are American workers who are unemployed, and when it does um, risk the security of the country. I think it's a disgrace. In fact, you mentioned it before, the port deal with the Dubai ports uh, uh, issue that was just up here not too many weeks ago. That was a national security issue, obviously tied into big business. President Bush 
took the national security of this country in hand and tried to make a big business deal regardless of what uh, issues it would pose and dangers it would pose to the national security of the United States. And that's just one of the most recent issues about how big business is actually harming our national security. And I, I think it's a disgrace. Yes. Well, and, and when you say big business, what it really comes down to is, is greed. <laughs> sure. Oh, greed. Look, I am uh, a, uh, not, I won't say a, uh, an imperialist. I'm, a, I'm a, a fan of the republic. I'm for making money. Uh, that's what a capitalist is what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. I'm for all that. I don't want a socialist government where, or communist government where everybody works right. for the same wage. That's nonsense. However, there is greed. There's a thing called gouging. And what's going on right now is gouging, unmitigated greed specifically by the, the big oil companies right now, mm-hmm. but it's all across the board. I mean, look at GM. They're going out of business because of their own greed. Uh, they, they just couldn't keep up. They, they made so much money hand over fist with a bad product for so long, and now they're trying to, to, to screw their, to be honest with you, their workers. They've done away with their health benefits, with their retirement benefits. They've outsourced as much as they can. Now they're just going to go away, and everybody's going to pay for mm-hmm. that. Well, that's very sad. Well, it's the American auto industry, Ford, GM. Uh, they're just in a world of hurt. It's it's no secret that they're not going to be around very much longer. I think in the next decade, you're going to see them go away. Just go away. The big three in the United States, and we're going to be totally dependent for the most part on foreign automotive workers now uh, to make our vehicles. We've outsourced so much. Our computers now, for the most part, are, are made and or serviced in India. Um, you, you call Dell for for help right now. You're going to be put over to Bangalore, yes. you know, and and or New Delhi to have somebody help you fix your Dell computer. Uh, and they've outsourced twenty thousand of their customer service jobs there now. No more made in America for anything. That's a national security issue. Yes. Uh, computers being made in China. My God, the, uh, the State Department, the United States State Department, just gave a contract that. 16,000 of our most sensitive computers are going to be manufactured and serviced by the People's Republic of China. <laughs> you know, they you can know, put toning devices and tracking devices and yes. listening devices into our embassies. Our most sensitive diplomatic computer systems are now going to be serviced by the Communist China. Isn't that wonderful? You know, it, it's just, I, I mean, it is just really hard to believe. Believe it. it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's... Mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. You know, it's it's very nice to have um, trade agreements and all of that. It's just great. But, but I think under today's circumstances, that certain things, certain products, um, should be kept right here. No, it's just you, you hit it on the head, though. It's greed. We've gone to the point now where big business, large American corporations are running this country. They have for a very long time. But in my opinion, it's come to a head with the Bush administration. It's it's. It's naked greed. I'll put it that way. It's right on the open. There's no hiding it. There's no mm-hmm. subterfuge. There's not even a wink and a nod anymore. It's right out there in the open. We're going to sell America, and if you don't like it, tough. And if you complain about it, we're going to tell. We're going to say that you're uh, you're a terrorist. We're going to investigate yes. you. And now we have the ability ability to listen into your phone calls, yes. to uh, your email, and uh, we're going to charge you with sedition or whatever we feel like it. So don't even complain now. It's it's very scary. Yes, that, it really, you know, this, it seems like a plot of a, of a science fiction movie. It's but. the worst. It, it's George Orwell uh, for real. It's an Orwellian nightmare. And my job in counterintelligence was to catch spies. So I know from whence I speak, this is not 
the way to do it. We, as American citizens, are not the enemy. But you can make us into the enemy, I guess, if you try. Mm-hmm. And if you're so paranoid, like Nixon was back in the 70s, but uh, this is worse than Nixon. This administration has done things that would make Nixon blush, that he wouldn't even consider doing uh, in terms of violating our constitutional rights, of turning us into a police state, and you're talking to an ex-police officer. Believe me, this is a mess. I believe you. <laughs> I yeah. believe you. Not to scare anybody too much, but you know what? People need to be scared because the apathy in this country is what's letting yes. it happen. Uh, yes, absolutely. People and the are fear. Just letting it happen. And the fear. Um, people, that's another part of it. I mean, you talk about George Orwell. That it is really that, in the sense that people are, are have become uh, frightened of, of speaking out because of all of these these uh, liberties that are being taken away and these abilities to eavesdrop and all of that. Right, and and that, that, you know, besides the apathy, it's this fear, and that's really a dangerous combination. Well, we do need to take another break. My guest is David DeBotto. He's a counterintelligence uh, U.S. Army special agent. He's also a counterterrorism expert. We've been talking about immigration and all the other issues that are affecting our society today. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Stay tuned for more Dr. Carol's Couch. Unlimited talk at your fingertips, voiceamerica.com. West Coast Business Review and host Amy Campbell presents Show Me the Business. Each week, you'll hear exciting guests give you vital information on advancing your business and career. Learn how others have built their empires, from best-selling authors to renowned entertainers. Listen every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific time on voiceamericaradio.com. Visit our website at www.westcoastbusinessreview.com. West Coast Business Review's Show Me the Business, connecting you to the business world. World-renowned cosmetic surgeon and scientist, Dr. Andrew G. Berman, hosts Beauty in America, broadcasting every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. What is beauty? How is it viewed in a cross-cultural context? And what is the role of plastic surgery in society, careers, and life? Expert guests join Dr. Berman to discuss historic and current concepts of beauty and plastic surgery, as well as trends, advances, and gimmicks. Beauty in America with Dr. Andrew G. Berman finds out what is real and what is height right here on the Voice America channel Fridays at 2 p.m. Results indicate your child has neuroblastoma. There's evidence of metastasis. We need to schedule a bone we'll to perform a surgery. After you hear your child has cancer, chances are you don't hear anything else. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show... Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. The hour has been going so quickly. Um, we're talking today with David DeBotto. He is a U.S. Army counterintelligence special agent. 
and a counterterrorism expert, and we've been talking about a number of things, notably immigration. We can, you know, we were talking before about um, the work situation, and um, one of the things that I do is that I'm a forensic psychiatrist and get involved in uh, legal trials and cases, and uh, for a while I was doing a lot of workers' comp cases. And um, what always sort of boggled my mind was that um, here were these uh, workers who were claiming to have been injured on the job and um, going through the court system, and they were illegal. And nobody, you know, it, it, nobody said anything. It was it, everyone sort of pretended that that wasn't an issue, and that just—I mean, I just couldn't believe it. Well, let me just interject. I agree with you. And the thing that really burns me when I watch all these shows and these people marching in the streets is that all of the advocacy groups for the open borders just consciously refuse to say the word illegal. It's always immigrants, mm. immigrants, immigrants. That's fine. And they're trying desperately to make it look that anybody that wants to secure our borders is against immigrants into this country. And as you said in your opening, we're a country of immigrants. Three out of my four grandparents came from Europe. So, no, that's nonsense. We all at some point came over here. We love having new blood uh, into our country to invigorate it and, and help us get even better. But we've never, ever condoned illegal, and I'll say it again because they won't, illegal immigration. And I think that people need to keep that word in every conversation about the uh, border and uh, immigration issue in this country. It's going to get lost in the shuffle. Now, um, in... Have you seen, I mean, why is it that it seems to be the protests and all of that seem to be overwhelmingly um, immigrants or illegal immigrants or people protesting? Well, the people who are protesting um, seem to be or identify themselves as Mexican. Now, I understand, obviously, that there are a lot of people coming across the Mexican border, but why aren't we seeing more of a showing, um, protesting of people who are from other countries? Well, that's a good question, and the, and the fact of the matter is because the overwhelming majority of illegal immigrants into this country are from Mexico. It just is. Uh, it's very, very difficult to come up from Central America or South America through Mexico because guess what? They don't let you cross their border. <laughs> they actually keep yes. out other Latinos from their southern yes. border, uh, and they don't mess around with it. They'll either shoot you dead or they'll just stick you back there and tell you that they'll shoot you dead if they find you. They're very, very vigorous in that, yes, some get through, but, you know, it, it's not 100%, but the fact of the matter is they vigorously enforce their southern borders protection where we don't. And, in fact, there's a, a policy within the Vicente Fox administration to get people to come over here. They've issued a, a, a book, a pamphlet for their people as to how to yes. evade detection on the border. So the, the answer to the question is 90% or more of the people coming across are from Mexico. And, of course, the reason why he did that, presumably, is to get more money coming into Mexico by the people who come here to work and send money back to Mexico. Right, which also uh, bursts the bubble of the advocates who say that they pay into our economy and they're paying taxes and yada, yada, yada. No, well, they're... They get sent back. Yes, they do. They do. There but is a percentage. There that... is a percentage, but there is also a percentage of water that leaks out of pipe and you have to fix that. It's not, it's not the majority of it, though. The fact of the matter is, the most, most of the money they, they get, they send back to their relatives, which is why they're here in the first place. It's no secret. Anybody that's lived and worked on the border knows this. It's just common knowledge. Now, you also mention uh, crime and uh, health issues, and, and certainly in Los Angeles, um, the, well, both of those things have become important. Um, 
you know, nobody wants to seem, um, I mean, I don't know what the percentages are of, of uh, people from various ethnic backgrounds who commit various crimes, but we certainly do, um, it certainly has become an issue that our jails are overcrowded and a lot of these people are illegal immigrants. Well, listen, I'll make it really simple for you in the interest of time. Depending on where you are along the border, California, Texas, Mexico, uh, I mean, New Mexico or Arizona, it ranges, the state prisons, for example, the population ranges anywhere between 25 to 50 or more percent being illegal immig- uh, immigrants, illegal aliens, primarily from Mexico. So you're looking at some places where half of the, all the convicts, all the inmates in a pr- given prison will be illegal aliens well, from Mexico. Well, that's something that I've never understood. Why are we not able to send them back if they are illegal and they are in... It's the same thing as I brought up with mm-hmm. workers' comp. If they're in our justice system, why are we not able to deport them? Oh, that's a good question because they've been... We're, we're overwhelmed. The system that we have is broken and it cannot possibly even keep up. They, if they know, for example, there's 100 illegal Mexican uh, aliens in, in a jail, in a county jail, waiting to go to prison because they've been convicted of some crime, yes. they do not even have enough Border Patrol agents or people whose job it is to deport them, which is another area altogether, to go to that county jail, round them up, put them in a big van, and ship them back over the border. They flat out don't have the personnel. So what happens? They get herded into the uh, state prison system where they languish for years and years on your dime, me and you, because we're paying for it. And then they stay there on the uh, taxpayer's uh, dime for all their health care, all their meals, all their housing for, for years, or well, sometimes a lifetime. I would certainly think um, that that would be the place to start. That uh, I mean, you mentioned the wall, and yes, there are a lot of unemployed people in our country, including legal aliens, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who could get work building a wall. I was going to say, just put our, a lot of our unemployed people uh, building the wall. That'll take a while, right? And that's a great construction project. And and also, obviously, you know, this this whole issue of of not being able to catch. <laughs> Illegal aliens, to some degree, would be remedied by going to the jails where they are um, prisoners and able to be caught very easily. This is to the point of ludicrous, uh, being ridiculous. Again, anybody that's been in law enforcement for about two minutes knows how to handle this. This is a a logjam at the highest levels. The president just needs to make a couple of phone calls to the right people and get it done. Uh, the, The Department of Homeland Security should never have been established there a joke. The Border Patrol is just so overwhelmed, they can't do it. Well, you know, as a psychiatrist also, I would think that it would be doing a a service um, to the people who are in the jails, who are headed towards prison, you know, obviously that's not going to be a good life, for them to be returned to their country, whatever country, I don't want to feel like we're picking on Mexico, but whatever country they are illegally here from, um, so that, you know, then they can get tried or get whatever justice they, they will get or not in their own country, and they will be back in a place where um, they will feel more comfortable. I mean, a lot of times the reason why there are so many people in prison from countries who are illegal, foreign countries that are illegal, are, is because um, of the problems assimilating in our country, not speaking our language, not, being, not having a skill, 
So in a lot of ways, they would be better off returned to their own country, not being in jail. That's probably true, but again, you've got to start with securing the border because, again, having worked with the Border Patrol for a long time, you put these people back over the border and 24 hours later they're sneaking across the fence or under the fence again. So it's a revolving well, door. Yes. So you've got to stop the hemorrhage at the point where, where it's happening, which is the border. So you can empty yes. out all of our prisons today, yes. and now you're going to have all these convicted felons sneaking across <laughs> the border tomorrow. Well, that's true. And yes. you're just, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm trying to be very serious because yes. you need to use some common sense on this, which our leadership hasn't been doing for many, many years. You've got to secure the border, number one. Number two, then you find all of the people that are here illegally. Start at the prisons. I think it's an excellent idea. They're a captive audience. Get rid of them. Ship them back across the border. Now they can't get back across because there's a, there's a wall there. And it's a manned wall that, that's, that's got sensors there and far more people manning it than they currently do. Now you're going to start to deal with our illegal immigration problem. Yes. Well, now, obviously we could talk about a lot of these issues for much longer, but our time is uh, dwindling, and I want you to give people um, your uh, website and other information about your books that are coming out. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, my website is very easy. It's uh, my name, davedebato.com. That's D-A-V-E-D-E-B-A-T-T-O.com, davedebato.com. And what you can do is see my background. You can also see the uh, two current books that are out. That's the CI series. It sounds for counterintelligence. CSI without the S. And the first two books are out right now, Dark Target and Team Red. The third one's coming out, which is called Mission Liberty. And that will be out in October. You can order them all on the book site. Uh, You can also uh, go to my archives, which has, well, most all of the articles that I've written over the last two years that have appeared in in various places. Uh, And one thing you won't find, however, is a new book that I was uh, just talking off air with you about, Carol, which is about the problem we're having in military intelligence since 9-11, counterintelligence and some of the issues, that book's going to be called Our Generals Didn't Even Know Us, which basically meant that our, our own leadership in the military doesn't know what to do with the military intelligence assets that they have, misutilizing them, not utilizing them at all. Therefore, our intelligence apparatus is still in disarray four and a half years after 9-11. I'm addressing that in, in the book, which will be posted on the website very, very shortly. Well, that was good timing. <laughs> I try. Well, I want to thank you very much for being on the show. These were obviously really important issues. And um, I uh, I would encourage all of you listening to go to davedebato.com, D-A-V-E-D-E-B-A-T-T-O.com. Uh, um, see what he has to say. Obviously, I'm sure a lot of you don't agree with what we've just been talking about, but that's okay the important thing is to get involved and to find out and to not allow this fear and apathy to uh, continue to run rampant in our country because that is going to be our downfall. You know, we're all fiddling while Rome is burning, and that's a very scary thought. So I hope uh, that this show today and, and some of the other shows that I've been doing about similar kinds of topics Um, have gotten you to do something to make some change in your own life and um, to really get involved. There's just too much going on. I mean, it's a little overwhelming, and it's it's kind of scary to get involved. The more you find out, the more scared you can get. But we really owe it to ourselves, our children, the future of this country to to find out and then to, to get involved with whichever 
um, opinion you have. It doesn't have to be the same as mine, but I just try to get you to think and then do something. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 